Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped. everyone again um, it's time for story shaped and um, we're back with another brilliant guest episode and this week susan and i are thrilled to welcome the fantastic Sive devlin to the podcast um Sive is a bilingual uh, writer she writes uh, in irish and in english um, she's a picture book maker she's a zine maker she's a workshop leader she's a short story writer she's a parent and all-around superwoman um, her books include bx freelum which is illustrated by the wonderful tarsila cruz um, which is illustrated by Roisin Hasi, and also Gansey Otto, which is also illustrated by Roisin Hasi, and uh, her new one, I believe, is called Emwehwin Spare, which is illustrated by Brian Fitzgerald. Um, she and her family live in the lovely, the lovely county of Wicklow in Ireland, which is probably after Wexford, my second favourite place, because it's uh, the Garden of Ireland for a reason. <laughs> Georgine the Heron, isn't that right, Sive? It's a beautiful spot. It so, is indeed. Uh, <laughs> on podcast. I hope that's accurate enough. It me. is I'm accurate. Sure. Mila Mahagath. I'm <laughs> blushing at that beautiful introduction. Apologize, <laughs> Sive. We're delighted to have you. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm loving the podcast, so I feel very honoured to be part of it. Oh, you're great. Thanks very much. I'm really glad you're listening and I'm glad people are, uh, we, we, we've had so much really lovely feedback and people are telling us that they're really enjoying our the guest episodes. Um, so that's makes Susan and me very happy and we're delighted to spread the bookish love uh, as far as we can. So we're hopefully going to talk a lot today about the books that have shaped you, Sive, and as well as, as your own work. Um, uh, so, so first of all, how are you doing? How are things for you? Good. Yeah, great. Gearing up now, as you mentioned, my new book. I'm going to get that plug in nice and early. Uh, and One Queen Spare is coming out on the 3rd of October. And uh, it was illustrated, illustrated by Brian Fitzgerald, who is absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm really happy about it. It's a story about Rua, who is a little, a cut bug. He's a little cat. Um, and he uh, all set for a Saturday morning on the sofa watching cartoons like we all used to love yeah. on a Saturday morning and mum uh, has also had a busy week and uh, but wants to do something completely different so she's all gearing up for a walk outdoors but Rue is really not in the mood so <laughs> sounds familiar <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us as parents we can we can relate to that absolutely yeah just, just a bit of dragging out the door you know <laughs> let's get out let's get out <laughs> Three brush of teeth. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that sounds like a lovely book. Um uh, I your books are, are really, really beautiful. And um, we were discussing before we before we started recording your your first book, um, The Ex Freelum, which translates roughly, I suppose, to play with me. Would that be how yeah, come, say it? Yeah, we kinda yeah, usually yeah, come, come, play come play with me or play yeah. with um, it's it's probably the first book of yours that, that uh, you know the first the first time I ever kind of became aware of you as a creative was was the time when you launched that book um, at the CBI conference uh, a few years ago and myself and my my own uh, little girl we we love reading the ex Freelum. it's it's a great 
bedtime story for us. Um, and uh, she always finds it really funny to see at the end, you know, the the the, the point being the, of the book being that uh, the little girl is giving out that her mother doesn't play with her. She hasn't got time. She's too busy. And then at the end, the mum sort of um, re rediscovers her own sort of childish spark or childhood spark of, of play. And uh, my little girl always thought that the pictures of the, of the mammy playing with the little girl were always really, really really funny um, and of course that's a lot of that is down to the brilliance of Tarsila Cruz's illustrations which are which are beautiful you've been lucky to work with so many really great illustrators I have been so lucky I started off like Tarsila that was my first book and Tarsila was my first experience of working with an illustrator and oh I couldn't have been luckier she's amazing so talented Roisin incredibly talented and Brian like it's just been it's <laughs> I've been so so lucky and um, I think what's lovely about my publisher as well is that he's quite good at um, putting people together who he thinks will work well together as well. I know when you work in picture books, a lot of the time you don't necessarily get to work with the illustrator. Sometimes author and illustrator are kept very, very separate. Um, but I've been very lucky to have been allowed input, you know, sometimes filtered by the publisher or whatever, but um, to actually work together with them on the visual side and talk through what I envision and then how they present. So yeah, it's that's one of my favorite parts of working in picture books is watching the illustrator at work. It's just mind blowing to me. That's an amazing. amazing experience, yeah. I have a two-year-old, we live in London and I'm going to introduce him to Irish through your picture books because he hasn't really, hasn't really gotten the Irish vibe yet. So. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a more challenging environment, but that'd be great if there's anything I can do. Let me know and I'll recommend you some as well. I'll let there's you know how you get started. <laughs> yeah. Well, there I use some... like, it's funny because I use Irish, um, I use little like phrases or words in Irish that I don't even realise I'm doing, like caponte or mm. um, that like, you know, people here are like, what, what, what did you just say? Yeah. So he's hearing a, like, or Ishka, he's hearing a few Irish words here and there. Yeah, well, that's really good. And I suppose that shows a kind of, yeah, that it is intrinsic in all of us. I think if you've been raised in Ireland, you're going to have a bit, <laughs> no matter what. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, to keep it going and to keep that connection, especially when you live abroad, I think it's really important. Yeah, I'm always saying I'm off to my lab now. My yeah. partner's like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I love it. Keep it going. Confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, picture books in Irish are, are such a great way to start a child's, you know, love of the language. I suppose, you know, we have a few, we have some, we have some by um, Myra Zeff as well. And, mm. um, and, and um, we have a couple by our, you know, Mirani Kivon as, and mm. Paddy Donnelly. Uh, they, they do an amazing uh, picture book together. Um, which, oh gosh, the name of which is escaping me now. Schoon Cook is Smurine. Schoon Cook Smurine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I love we, that we, one we have, as well. Really, yeah. really and Myra's ones. amazing. Yeah. yeah. We've got a great, there's a great, there's a lot of great people working in Irish language picture books at the moment. It's a really fun time. It really is. It's brilliant. I guess we better start asking you about your story shape. So um, we'll start with our first question. Are you story shaped? <laughs> Definitely. And it's really funny. It's not a question I've ever been asked before. Um, but um Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I think I live in books more than I live in the real world <laughs> still. And definitely as a child, um, it's still a huge source of comfort and escape for me. Like that's um, that's what I do when I want to relax. That's what I, I do. That's what I always reach for is a book. There's always a stack by the bed. There's a stack in every room I turn around in. And uh, there's always something my mom used to say when I was smaller, like that 
um, if I didn't have any book to read that I'd just read the back of the cereal box or I'd read the back of the shampoo <laughs> bottle I was just always reading always talking I was the very story. same absolutely yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely think and I think all of those stories uh, have definitely um, kind of come into my brain and have formed various things that I've done over the years including my own writing uh, making even talking to you previous to this podcast about some of the books that we might discuss um, even looking over them again I was just like oh yeah yeah that's probably where that came from in this story <laughs> or that's probably where that came from in that idea yeah so absolutely yeah and absolutely. what are the ones that stand out the most to you as having the most influence on your life I find it really difficult to choose I'm not somebody who does well with like what's your favorite color or what's your favorite song what's your favorite I don't do favorites um so I could literally be here all day talking but there's several that I think <laughs> when you've held on to something your entire life I think that kind of proves that mm. they were important to you so some of the books like my very first ever book that was gifted to me um by the owner of it was Bray Bookshop at the time it has now become the chain Dubray uh, bookshop um Mrs Clear I don't even know her first name but my dad when I was a child had a book tab in the bookshop he's I a really love your dad I love your dad that's incredible so you know like a lot of people might have a bar tab or a tab <laughs> in the bookies or something my dad had a tab in the bookshop so <laughs> he would sometimes if he didn't have because he's you know really small children and it was the 80s and nobody had any money so he would mm. keep a tab and then for his birthday he'd get given book tokens or cash for books or whatever and he'd go in and pay off his tab so I think he was quite a loyal customer of uh Bray bookshop at the time so um when I was born, um, he got given uh, this book, Morning as a Little Child by Joan Walsh Angland. Uh, and it's a book of really simple little poems, an illustrated book. Re like some of the poems are only like two lines, uh, really, really simple, um, really beautiful poems. But it's something I've kept and it's not even falling apart. Like I, it's, now the oh, page is kind of covered in chocolate and stuff. And some of them are torn. <laughs> but I absolutely adored it so That's much it's a beautiful looking book I've never heard of it it's a really yeah it's kind either. of an unusual one and I never really mm. came across her again but this book I've kept and I'm always there's poems and I think there's like a two-line poem in it that's actually perfect for this time of year um about autumn um it's kind of done sort of like through the seasons um and the poem and I think it's the first time not as a very small child when I would have gotten it but as I was a little bit older it's the first time I think words affected me emotionally like that I realized that the power of words to kind of give you an emotional reaction so um it's what is the the line there so like two line poem let's see if I can remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so a leaf is a letter from a tree that writes in gold remember me Oh my God! Oh, that's, that's gorgeous. Oh, I, I remember. That's actually gone straight to my heart. Oh, I'm like tearing up here. <laughs> two, two little lines of perfect poetry. So perfect, like an exquisite little gem mm -hmm. of a poem. And I just remember getting really emotional about it at one stage. I mean, like God, that's really beautiful. You know, that's really sad. All the leaves are falling. It must have been mm -hmm. autumn or something. I was really yeah. concerned about all these leaves trying. To, trying to remember them <laughs> I'll remember you I'll try to remember all the leaves you know? I can imagine how overwhelmed I would have been by that as yeah. a kid even now I feel like <laughs> I know, you know it's like a emotion in oh, such been few such words wow yeah. imagine and writing think, that coming up with imagine, that yeah. how you feel you'd be like that's it my work is done forever <laughs> just it's incredible and off yeah. I go like yeah, yeah. it's so and I think 
you know, maybe we could argue that, like, I love short form fiction mm. and I love flash fiction and picture books and everything. And I love trying to say as much as you possibly can in as few words as possible. So I don't know. Let's pretend that's a, a link, but it might be. I don't know. So that's absolutely a link. Be. I think we'll um, claim it as a link. Sure. We'll claim it as a link. Absolutely. As a story shaped link. Um, another book I adored as a child was Peepo. Oh, my... Alan Alberg. I've Alberg. read that so many times now. My my little boy adores people. He, oh. he he won't let me read it to him anymore. He has to read it to me. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> it's such a beautiful book. The illustrations, I can still find new things oh, in the amazing. illustrations looking at it. I buy it frequently for new parents because I love it. <laughs> like inflicting my taste on you. But um, I, I just it's such classic. It's such a yeah. classic. And do you know I, what I, I love? Adore it. Do you know what I love about those illustrations is the house is so messy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so real. Yeah. yeah. It's realistic for sure. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. the baby and I had a little blonde brother. So as well, I kind of identified with the older sister and, and you know, you could kind of see yourself in the, in the story. And I, I really identified with it. I think I was probably given that perhaps on around the time my brother was born or when I was small and he was small. Um, so that one is definite. That's another one, a keeper of mine. Um, so they're kind of the ones from when I was quite small. Other books. Then as I got older and became more, um, I loved being read to. I was quite late. <laughs> I was quite an early reader. You know, I could read quite young, but I, I loved being read to. And I still love reading to my daughters, um, even though they're 12. I'll still every now and then we'll choose a book together and I'll, I'll read aloud to them, um, even though they're well able. But uh, some of the books that I, I really fond memories of being read to are like real classics, you know, Winnie the Pooh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, and Alice Through the Looking Glass. And then another weird one, um, which was called Alice Through the Eye of the Needle. Oh, I read that. Yeah. Yeah. John so not written by Lewis Carroll. But... No, it was like a made up sequel to it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I've never met anyone who okay. has read that book or knows that book yeah so that one another one my dad my dad again very was never um he was very interested in children's literature as well he's a huge reader and a very varied reader but um he had a lot of respect for children's literature always so I was very lucky in that he would find <laughs> these weird things for us to have but yeah I have that um Alice through the needle's eye, or yeah, I Alice through the needle's eye. I can't remember the story at all, but I remember. Yeah, I can't it. really either, but I do. She was sewing, and I think she goes through the needle's eye, and I think it's just it's kind of more the same, you know, where she goes into the weird uh, kind of Wonderland type environment again. But um, yeah, so we we we, we did all of the Alice's <laughs> uh, and all of the Winnie the Poohs, which were a big hit in my family as well, um, and the Secret Garden. And that type of thing and then another one that was my absolute favorite uh probably was the borrowers the mm, i had yeah. the complete borrowers series and i think the first one might have been read to me and then i read this the, the, the borrowers of field and the borrowers of float and uh all of those so i absolutely loved those as well and loads of those so definitely um would have influenced me hugely like the borrowers particularly Alice, um, the borrowers. I became very obsessed as a, as a child with being small, I bet with teeny tiny things, <laughs> and the idea of tiny people living 
under the floor in the borrowers and collecting borrowing the safety pins and borrowing the thimbles and borrowing little bits of food always with the intention of paying back you know we'll pay it back it's fine um we're not stealing but um and then alice when she shrinks down really small um those things there was another book um the dollhouse by rumor godden oh, we, mm-hmm. i think we read the same books as children we have this we're, we're shaped from the same stories really? i had that as well oh that book i loved it i absolutely loved it and i read it again recently I don't have a physical copy of it anymore. I have, I'm have. i looking out for the one I have. It's really hard to find the actual cover that I have. Was it like pink? It was kind of pink and yellow yeah. and kind of abstract-ish. I'm trying to find it. It's really hard to find. But um, I absolutely, that, and it's it's kind of a dark story in a way, like March Payne's so yeah. awful, that, that the China doll, you know, yeah. really mean. And then poor old Birdie, you know, and her awful fate. It was just... <laughs> really dark but I love that but doll's houses and miniature things definitely absolutely hugely influenced um me and in my story the story is set it's a, a child who wishes she could be small and go and live in her doll's house um and then once she's there things aren't that great so um it's that kind of be careful what you wish for theme I suppose but yeah that. I think those stories definitely, because they're the ones I keep, you know, I come back to and held on to. They're the, the books I still have, you know, that I would still revisit and love. Um, I loved the TV show of um, The Doll's House as well. Well, it was, had a different title. It was Totty, the story oh, yeah. of The Doll's House. Do you remember the anime? I, I never saw it, but I actually think my copy of The Doll's House is called Totty, the story of a doll's house. And it's got yeah. a name, it's got a photograph on so I think we've made a different editions. It's got a photograph of what's probably the TV series, but I didn't know that there was a TV series. Ah, uh, I see. I think something happened to the TV series. I watched the TV series, like the fire scene is like really crazy, but um, it's really traumatic. Um, but um, I think there was an accident when whoever made it, it's like stop motion and their little dolls. Oh, it's so beautifully made. Um but I think there was a fire in the studio or something and all the original oh, film. No. Oh, no. So I think you can see some bits on YouTube, but um, it's kind of, it was it was all lost, I think. So you wouldn't, it'd be a difficult one to find maybe, but it was really good. But yeah, that would have been a huge, huge favourite of mine. I mean, there's so many, <laughs> so many books. <laughs> That's kind of when I was kind of, I suppose, aged then. Then after that, all of those books were quite English and quite, colonial another favorite was a little princess I like I liked Frances Hodgson Burnett um god I read that and reread that and reread I was obsessed with the little princess actually but um I think I didn't actually read stories that were set in Ireland until I was a good bit older until I was maybe kind of 11 12 there weren't that many I was just trying to think about mm. that myself where there probably weren't a whole lot I, I I was around the same age when I first started reading Irish like Michael Scott was the one I read oh, there yeah. was um I think Michael Mullen was the name of a man who wrote a book uh, about a Viking princess which I loved about a Viking princess in Dublin mm. um, so it's a few there was a few but they were all around I think we're much maybe we're much around the same age the three of us and I think it was about that same time in my life when I became aware that Ireland was producing authors as well and Marita Conlon McKenna I don't know what mm. I don't know yes yeah, so the whole three yes yeah 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 I did read that actually I remember that but in school I think that was a school reader for us oh, um 
but I yeah like that I don't think like O'Brien Press I suppose was only really getting started in the 80s and Wolfhound Press was another Wolfhound press. Um, press that was started to produce books in the 80s and I think that's when I was like oh there's Irish books as well and books set in Ireland in a an environment that I recognize that's when I, yeah. I know yeah. these places this yeah. is fascinating and one of those one of well, the couple would have been um the hands of morrigan which i know uh, oh my god we love that book it's <laughs> yeah it's one of it's i think for me it's like it's the most important me. book oh yeah. god hugely so like absolute like i adore it you have a beautiful edition oh, you've got a hard is back. it a hardback it's a hardback oh you yeah <laughs> might be a first so edition my dad would be a big nerd for the first editions you know um quite possibly yeah, the same one as you Susan yeah the paper like like, I loved the art so I know mine bored. is red to bits as well <laughs> yeah the dust jacket on this is barely hanging in there but um it's oh what a book I mean it just what can you I mean, say Susan and I we, we did a kind of a buddy read of it there a few weeks ago we were both on holiday for a week so we said let's read the hounds while we we're away oh, like live each texting other. each other like live <laughs> oh my god you have this bit yeah have you been putting in wheeling yet and we're like oh, oh my god it's still such a brilliant even though oh, it's... I love it conversation lozenges I mean oh my god yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would be walking down a boreen somewhere and I would suddenly feel like I'm in that story you know yeah. it'll just it's just it was such a huge moment for me that and then even um and then another series by an author called Cormac McRish oh his Giltspur book yes <laughs> So, and these them. were actually set in my neighborhood oh like my these God, yes. set in North Wicklow and in Bray the kid you know the children in the stories go into the town that I grew up in and live in and that to me was just amazing and I think I loved that idea that um stories and adventures could happen in your own environment in your mm. place you didn't have to go to the wilds of some other distant terrain you could have you know these adventures were right on your doorstep magic can happen in your life on you know in in lives that you know and um yeah and I think the Irish mythology that was included interwoven in the hounds and in the Gilsport series that was massive for me as well because going to a Gwale school it's really funny I used to always say I'm not really into fantasy books like doesn't they don't do do it for me and it's not really my genre like and then I was like going well actually those books kind of are <laughs> fantasy <laughs> but when I was in a Gael school growing and it's possibly the same in other primary schools in Ireland I don't know but we would have learned um all the mythology the Irish mythology Fionn McCool, Cúchol and Maeve, Alil, all of those children of Lear all of those would have been taught during history class and we would have learned those in history lesson. And then we would have gone on to learn about the Vikings and 1916 and all of those things. So to me, Fionn McCool, and some of those stories, the way they're told, Fionn McCool might go and battle the Vikings. And the Vikings <laughs> are real. We have evidence for them. So therefore, for me, Fionn McCool was also real. Mm. And so I think when I read those stories when I was younger, they didn't read as fantasy to me. They read, read as, as highly as possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, as history. Historical as fiction. Historical <laughs> fiction, yeah. Yeah, totally believable <laughs> for me. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't remember 
uh, learning about them in his in a his, in a historical context. So, but I wish in a way I wish I had because it would have it would have been that sounds amazing like to think of them as as real real people who, who yeah maybe, maybe beautiful maybe we weren't told they were real. <laughs> okay, I, mean, I know I know what you mean. The history of that the country as they were this is history. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we were taught it as you know as a it was history it was star it was history class but i suppose it was like history of literature really but it was and our mythology and our culture mm -hmm. um yeah. and i suppose that's really big in, in the Guelph school environment mm -hmm. you know about the culture and the history and that um so i don't know if it's the same in other well in other i did schools. go to a Guelph school and i don't know whether susan did but um no uh, no, I don't. I don't remember it being taught like that to us. I don't, I don't actually remember it being focused on a whole lot when I was at school. Like I, I knew a lot of the mythology from my own reading. You know, I would have yeah. been and would have been the type of child who I'm sure I'm with, I'm I'm with my people here on the podcast <laughs> uh, who would have read about it. You know, in our own time, mm. uh, nothing, nothing I enjoyed more than sort of picking and picking off, um, you know, a mytholo mythology book off the shelf and and reading it. I'm still obsessed with mythology to this mm. day. You know. And uh, certainly the Hounds of the Morgan would have been a massive thing for me because of the mythology that's in it and how yeah. much I just absorbed it into my DNA. But I don't ever remember it being taught to me as such in school. So, yeah. So you're lucky to have gone to, to yeah. school. Yeah. It's funny because it's so, they're so, those characters are all so familiar to me that they felt real. Do you know? So yeah. I think yeah. it was really funny then when I would say, oh, yeah, I don't read fantasy, you know, not really my thing. And then I was like, well, actually. <laughs> That's a big lie. You just thought they were real. <laughs> so, but they are. They are. They are. Yeah, they yes, definitely Susan. are. So yeah, so th that, those adventures felt entirely possible and entirely plausible to me um, when I was a child. I absolutely loved them. And then I had the great pleasure of discovering Cormac McRaeish and the Battle Below Gilsford. And then the following year, or around the same time, um, his daughter actually came to my class joined oh. my my class in school and um she is the neve of the stories and her brother dara is the dara of the stories <laughs> and then they have a they have a cousin in the series called ronan but that's actually they're also their younger brother and um so to yeah so to me it's nearly like do these things happen to you? Do you like what <laughs> I remember that kind of confusion but I had the great pleasure of me going on play dates and getting to meet Cormac and getting wow. to find my books and stuff so, so you basically grew up in a story I mean, yeah. yeah you are it's, like it's amazing you are beyond story shaped <laughs> you're yeah, a story basically of... you're a walking story so. <laughs> yeah. I just have always been obsessed with books I think ever since I was small my mum told me or my grandmother used to say that when I was tiny if she was minding me and she was reading me a bedtime story or something she, she said I just she said I have a vision of you she said sitting on my knee and I would be reading to you and when I got to a word that you liked the sound of you would tell me to stop and <laughs> tell me to point where the word was on the page and to show like I had to see where the word was and get her to repeat it and then I'd repeat it and then when I was kind of satisfied that I got the words then she could move on <laughs> the story but apparently I used to do that all the time I've obviously got no memory of that but it's nice to I, I just yeah it was always kind of words were always my thing which is kind of funny though because it took me a long time to come to writing myself well it's mm -hmm. not really we're taking it seriously I think I always wrote but I never really saw myself as being a writer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, yeah, I just, I never really, I don't know. It just never occurred to me that I could, could 
do that 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 could be a job that could be something I would love to do um and it was a lot as when I was much more grown up and kind of had gone through work and career and was made redundant and all of that that I kind of finally went ah I think I'll I'll give that a whirl even though when I look back over all of that time it's kind of obvious I was a children's writer from from day one because when I even in university people would buy me children's books and I would buy children's books I have a collection of alphabet ABC books the ABC of costume and because these kind of weird ABC books that people buy me when I was like 19 and 20 and stuff you know it's that's probably not the normal thing that people buy <laughs> for their friends or people would bring me home from holidays if they found a strange children's book with interesting illustrations they would give it to me um and I have, I found a notebook a couple of years back that I had from that kind of time between college and sorting out what I was going to do with the rest of my life, where there's all these ideas for a children's book, ideas for a children's, and, and these kind of scrappy drawings and things. And I was like, I didn't, I don't, I have no kind of recollection of even doing that, but it was obviously something that I had wanted to do for years, but it wasn't until I had my own children and I was really back into the world of children's books um and suddenly was buying lots more again that I was like oh yeah I think I'm going to give this a try now I think this has always been where I should what I should have been doing because even in my jobs I worked with children's books in a kind of sideways kind of way where I worked with an organization that supported families who spoke Gaelga Swalia so people who wanted to use Irish at home um and people who or people who wanted to either be bilingual at home or use Irish as the main language at home. And um, one of the jobs that I had to do in that role was to put together kind of information packs and support packs. And I'd always be trying to find nice children's books to put, because for me, the first thing you do for anything is go and find a book about mm -hmm. it. You know, I want to yeah, learn about this. Yeah, I want to try this. Yeah, go and find a book about it. Um, so I wanted to find really nice children's books um to send these families who were kind of embarking on this this thing and at the time because that would have been the early 2000s when I first started there there weren't a huge amount there weren't a huge amount of people publishing there's on Goom of course but there weren't there wasn't a huge amount of choice in Irish language books for it's particularly for very young children and when I had been growing up the books that were available were they're kind of strange in a way they were made to look like picture books but they would be very text heavy. I'm going to show you an example of one of the ones that I was given as a small child, right? On Tulav August on Luhog, uh, the professor and the mouse. The the mouse. mouse. Yeah. And actually, here's another example. because I, I only realized this. I haven't looked at this in years and I picked it off the shelf this morning and um, I only realized that the, the professor actually shrinks down to the size of a ah. mouse. Oh, <laughs> like, there you oh. go. <laughs> Everywhere. I don't, I don't remember reading this or this being read to me because if you look how text heavy people can't see and it's a, page, text. A, full, a full page text and then a full page illustration beside yeah. it for the benefit of our listeners yeah yes and so then a small type as well very yeah. small type not easy to read my parents weren't fluent irish speakers they had kind of basic guelga but definitely too daunting for me as a child to read um, I think I probably poured over the pictures and got the gist, <laughs> but um, mm. um, 
Yeah, so that was kind of the type of thing that was on offer. I think in the 70s and early 80s as well, a lot of books were brought in from Europe and from like Russia and Finland and places like that, Estonia, um, and translated into Irish. And some of those would have been more what you might call illustrated books rather than picture books that we know them as today. Mm -hmm. So they would have, there's a bit, bit more of a culture of, of that kind of where there'd be heavier text and you know a bit more of a balance between pictures and text maybe that they're not as with a picture book you'd have far less text uh, in modern times I suppose so there wasn't a huge amount so I think again working in that environment where I was trying to find books to encourage parents to read I could see then that actually these are too difficult if you're if you're somebody who wants to use a couple of suale and you're not really sure you just want to use some way get home you may not necessarily ever reach fluency in the home with your child but you want to be very positive about the language and you want to use phrases these are going to be really too daunting so again that was another reason why I was like when I decided to actually give it a go I was like I'm going to try it as well because I really want to make really accessible beautiful books as well because I love Gwelga I was very fortunate to have gone to Gwelga school and to have been given this language and um yeah it's very important to me that we have lovely lovely things Asquelga. they're just there are lovely things but happen to be Asquelga. <laughs> yeah absolutely well you've definitely got your your 100 the books you've made are beautiful and mm. they've helped me as a parent to connect with the Aww. language um and my and my child as well i mean she she's she learns it in school obviously they learn they learn mm -hmm. a couple of vocal in school but it's lovely to come home and to be able to say you know when when dakota or you know uh, yeah you know on, on a look research, you know, that kind of thing, just, you know, take off your coat and are you hungry? You know, short little sentences that she can understand. And even she says to me, uh, you know, she I, she said to me a sentence in the morning and it was really funny. Um, something along the lines of Anbel Cadigum, Bilgadian Leharis, which is <laughs> everyone in Ireland knows, you know, <laughs> yeah. can I go to the toilet? Which is what you'd say when you're in class wanting to go to the loo. Um, and I just I just thought it was so funny, you know, but it's lovely to hear Irish coming from coming from her. Um, yeah, and it's, lo it's, lovely to, it's lovely. It's lovely to have enough to have enough myself to be able to sort of help her and read books to her. That's it, exactly. But it's also, it's lovely to have the positive attitude because I yeah. think as a language, it has suffered from negative mm. attitudes for a long Absolutely. time. Surely so I think just even having the positive attitude to it is such a difference, you know, will, and will create a, a more positive environment around it. So, yeah. So that was always important to me. And it's great to see because I used to work in an academic bookshop and there, you know, people obviously it was in a university and people used to come in who were studying Irish at degree level. And, but, you know, the kind of books that they would be studying as texts would be sort of, you know, translations of books from the 19th century, you know, mm. stuff like Peg, you know, Peg's there, mm -hmm. which I mean, she gets maligned as well. <laughs> I, th I think she's brilliant, uh, you know, but her, her book is used as a sort of a, a, an, an instrument of torture by people down through the generations. And we've had mm. to read about this, these the mem memoirs of a, a woman in Kerry in the 1800s. Um, but there's another one and I can't think of the name of it. Is it Fibli and Foss or something mm -hmm. like that? Um, you know, all these older books that wouldn't really appeal to, to younger, no. I suppose, mm, that, that age, you know. Yeah. So it's great that I hope now that we're in a, in, a, in an age when we have, you know, people like Patricia Ford, even who mm. I absolutely love, um, who writes also bilingually um, and, and writes kind of books for, for young adults, I guess, in, in, in the Irish language. Yeah. And um, also, also, doesn't Myra, she does, Myra Zeff, she has written, Myra Zeff has done an amazing Nonine, first novel, she, Nonine, yeah, yeah, Nonine, yeah, for yeah, YA, incredible, yeah, yeah, and she, you know, I think Ireland is relatively new to YA's concept in general, well, I think YA is relatively new 
uh, in general. To me, I don't remember YA. No, it didn't really it, exist when it, we it were. It didn't exist. No. There was, you, you went straight from Enid Blyton to Stephen King. Sorry. You did. You went <laughs> straight in the to whatever was yeah. next on the bookshelf, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, in fairness, again, my dad would have been quite good at kind of pointing me in the direction of books that might have younger protagonists, um, you know, that might have the kind of teenage protagonists, but that was not necessarily YA. Um, so I was lucky in that respect. I had a couple of books that I absolutely loved at that age. Um, but yeah, but it's great. Not only do we have YA now, which is amazing. <laughs> we also have YA at Gwilga and it's a growing, growing genre. A growing field, which is brilliant. It really is good. Mm. Um, but I guess we're talking about this already, but do you see yourself as a shaper of stories for future generations? Um, I would hope so. I would like, I, yeah, I mean, it's such a huge responsibility at my tendencies to go, I don't know. <laughs> you like the stories? Well, then, yeah. Um, but I take it really seriously, I think. I, um, because of how important books are to me, I take I take writing my books very seriously and I because I know how important they can be in a child's life and I know um how special as well you're especially with picture books because not only are you in the child's life during the adult's life and you're usually in a moment of bonding you know whether reading together whether it's a carer or a parent or a teacher or whatever it is a moment in time that a lot of children that's very important and as you know, as I said, I loved being read to as a child. So I know that special feeling. I was very lucky to have been read to. And yeah, so I take it really seriously. So I can only like, yeah, I think it's a really big responsibility to create books, especially for that shared reading experience. And I hope that what I do create is rem remembered fondly and remembered as fondly as I remember the books that are important to me. So yeah. I think so. I'm sure. I'm sure they will be. I mean, already you've you've made memories for me and my little my little oh, girl with being Strelum. So I mean, it's it's a, it is it's a great privilege as well, and, and the responsibility, yeah. as you say, yeah, and something I take very seriously as well. So we're we're very lucky, I think, the three of us, <laughs> to be to be working in this in this field, um, mm. that we do have a, a great we do have a great I suppose opportunity to to help children to to be shaped by the stories that that we make that we that we make. So it's important, I think, to to put put our all into it and put our put our, everything we have into making the stories that we make which yeah. you do <laughs> for sure absolutely um and what after after the lovely book you have coming up uh, the and with green spare what's next from you however yeah. i'm i'm working on one that has kind of got a uh, mythology basically mm. so mrs i don't do fantasy <laughs> <laughs> lying again uh so yeah i'm actually working on one um at the moment and um it's about uh it's a fiona mccool kind of the fiona story but it's this it's kind of sound really big-headed but it's kind of the story of Sive, the character Sive, who i am named for um and her son oshin and how so the story of Sive is that she was turned into the form of a deer by a, a dark druid and um she meets Fionn McCool hunts her essentially thinks she's a deer but all of a sudden his dogs lie down peacefully beside her and he realizes that there's something not quite fully animal about this deer and he takes her home to his fort where uh, she is protected from the magic that has been placed on her and she turns back into a woman so um 
she becomes the mother of Oshin, um, which means little deer. Uh, and Oshin was the great storyteller and poet of the Fianna. So I'm working on kind of a longer form picture book. Uh, about that sounds that. amazing. I cannot <laughs> and wait. Pre-ordering immediately. That sounds gorgeous. <laughs> so yeah. Lovely, because Susan, Susan and I are both really into, uh, I have, uh, have worked on a book. Uh, hopefully it will be out soon um, uh, or in the next couple of years anyway, uh, that has Irish mythology as a, as a major theme. And I think there's mythology in your forthcoming debut, Susan, too, isn't there? Yeah, it's not mythology. as, I guess it's it's kind of informing it. But I, the one I'm working on right now is I think the mythology is much more forward, but it's well. it's it's there in everything, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It's yeah, like the fabric, it's like the fabric yeah. of our of our of our creative brain, isn't it? That's a lovely way of putting it. Just mm. from from growing up in Ireland, it's kind of you can't help it. It's all around, and you sort of, and aren't we lucky to have be growing up in such a country that has this such a rich, yeah, uh, such a rich mythology, that that just is endlessly sort of inspiring. Yeah, mm. definitely. Because and there's so many different ways to approach it. It's kind of endless, and because it's ours, we're allowed to shape it, and we're not appropriating anybody's stuff. You know, it's kind of it's it's ours. We're very lucky to have it. Yeah, and reconnecting true. with the language gives that back to us. Yes. so yeah. much. It gives us this like kind of almost direct like connection to it. I read Mancon McGann's book. Um, was it thirty words? Thirty words, 30 for, words for meals. I read that yeah. last year, and that because I had a very complicated relationship with the Irish language because it wasn't taught very well in the schools that I went to mm -hmm. um, and kind of fell out of love with it for a while and that book gave it the love back to me and yeah. gave made me realize how rich and magic and mm -hmm. powerful the language is yeah so, so the so the picture books that you do the way that you give these these beautiful lovely objects full of wonderful story to kids is just such an important thing <laughs> oh thank you Susan. <laughs> it is Mankan does amazing work and I love that I'm yeah I get obsessed with place names when I'm driving mm. around the country yeah me too they're so um, interesting because yeah. they're so interesting but they, if you read the English name it literally is gobbledygook makes zero sense and then when you read the Irish you go oh this is the place at the bend in the road you know or this <laughs> is this is the crown of the hill of the field you know you're kind of like all of these it's like yeah. everywhere is like Game of Thrones style names but we there's don't even a, know because they've been anglicized kind of erased weird, or whatever erased there's name. a place name up in the in the northwest where my husband's from whenever we drive up to his home place uh, we pass it and it's a or the sign for it anyway, and it's it's called Drum Snow is the name in English, but in Irish it's Drim Drimmer Snow. You know the the back swimming is what it means. Oh wow! And I'm kind of going. I'd love to know. I'd love to know what that is. Like, is it an island in in a river? You know, mm. where did the words? Where did this? Where did the people who lived there hundreds of years ago come up with the name Drimmer Snow? Yeah. Back swimming, you know, or a back swimming for story for there. their town, and it just fascinates me. You know, I yeah exactly, and that's what you're saying, isn't it? Now that is isn't it Loganamnacha? Is that the word? Loganamnacha. Yeah, Loganamnacha. There's a website. Yeah, place name yeah yeah um they they have such rich meaning they have such rich meaning and they do as as you say susan sort of you know the spark off the story just the idea mm. of where did that name come from yeah <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 amazing it is it's fascinating and so important and it, it literally often just describes the shape of the landscape <laughs> it's usually yeah. very it can be very literal like it can yeah. literally be oh the bend in the road or the hill on the side of the mountain or or the 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 field on the side of the mountain or the you know, it can be very, very practical, nearly, you know, yeah. but, then, but it's, yeah. 
makes then so there's much stories in that and like as you yeah. said with the hound of the morrigan for me as well like that reading that book was the first time i saw magic in the irish landscape yes or like that there was story yeah. in the irish landscape yeah. and i think those place names even if they're just describing something it's like why why are you describing it like yes why, why is that significant what happened there mm. yeah because I think when i first were... came across hounds of the morrigan we were on a holiday in galway my, my family and i and or I kind of in the West in general, and we drove around landscapes that would have been so different to the one I grew up in because mm. I'm from Wexford, so it would have been totally different. Um, and we came across, you know, as you're probably all both aware, like the the fields full of the little stone walls that would have been there since you know pre-famine times. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I just, I had never really seen that before, and I just thought that is, it's, it's like history. It's like the history of the land just, you know, coming alive, and you know, you could yeah. really see the people in the fields in front of you, you know, people who were who were long gone. But just you know, looking at these little, you know, ruins of the houses that they would have once lived in. And I just found it so emotionally powerful. And whenever I read or whenever I think of Hans of the Morgan, I think of the history of the land. And as you say, Susan, like the first time you come across the idea of magic in the land, it was in that mm. book. But certainly it's it's all tied up with my memories of literally seeing the magic in the land when when we went to, to the part of Ireland that's described in, in the novel. So it's a, it's a really powerful memory for me. I'm really looking forward to the time. Hopefully we'll do an, a deep dive episode on the Hounds of the Morrigan. So oh, please do. We I'll probably be... could do four episodes in a row. Yeah, it is in fairness. It's a big, it's a, yeah. It's a I mean, I think it took her about 13 years to write. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a monumental piece of work. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. just incredible. And I think if you were lucky enough to come at it at the, the right age, I've read it with my daughters and they, oh. they are equally as obsessed with it now as well. Um, so and they're the same. They'll they'll quote things and kind of remember bits and say, oh, this looks like, yeah. you know, if we're somewhere down the yeah. countryside, they'd be like, this looks like such and such. Doesn't strip it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to love writing, um, you know, the, the thing in the book, uh, all those who pedestal here do so on pain of measles. Yeah. Remember, you know, I used to write that on all my books. Like, you know, if I if I if I was like, don't touch my stuff. All who pedestal here do so on pain of measles. You know, uh, so it's just it's so funny. Yes, yeah, so, so funny. funny. Yeah. And what's the one? The egg and an egg and an onion. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just so many classic moments in the entire thing and so different. So all the different or characters you meet along the way. Year we think season Napoleon. I mean, oh my god, it's just. <laughs> Just, I mean, you could you could you could spend a career trying to come up with something as brilliant as that oh, you know, that's even that, one that thing Padoche that has done you know yeah 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 that's amazing it's so good and, uh, i think we better uh wrap up for today i think yeah we have we have we could talk to you all, as as i say to all the guests on the podcast here we could talk to all of you all day because everyone is so interesting and the books are so fascinating um, but I guess we better let our listeners go and do whatever they were doing before we sat down to listen. Make a cup on tea. Make a cup on tea. Cook the brisket. Cook the brisket with it. Um, so thanks a million, Saif. Uh, this has been just a fascinating discussion. Uh, you're fantastic to come and talk to us uh, and to share so many brilliant stories with us and so many brilliant memories with us. Um, really, really grateful to you for your time. Uh, thanks a million. Yeah, thank you. And it's like, it's just amazing to meet someone who's read so many of the set. Like, I had that with Sinead. We had like all of these similar books. And then someone else who's read these books. And I, like, I'd forgotten about that Alice Through the Needle's Eye. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just one bit of a weird one. I've got to look that up. I've never heard of it before. So I'm, I, I've learned from you guys today. I'm delighted. <laughs> and Tati, Sinead, have you read the, the Dog no, House? I oh, oh, very good. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. she's very written other ones as well. Little plum and little oh, I haven't read those flower little plum and little flower and it's even in the back of the book it teaches you how to make a Japanese style dollhouse oh 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's fabulous. It's, she's an author that I've always meant to read. I never, never got quite, never quite got to Rumor Garden, but I, I, I shall rectify that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're okay. short. They're lovely. They're really lovely. Yeah. A lot of emotion, kind of tragic as well. Like she's yeah. very good with. I do, I do like books with a bit of. My books don't really have a lot of peril in them, but um, <laughs> I do love reading books that have kind of a bit of a darker side. So she's she's great for that. I mean, there's time travel in BX Freelum. So well, there is. How much, how much peril, more peril can you get than that? <laughs> Come back to the dinosaurs. <laughs> True. <laughs> mild peril <laughs> mild peril indeed yeah so thank you so much for that book in particular but also for for all your work and especially for your your advocacy and your your work for the Irish language which is really really appreciated um and very valuable so thanks to, thanks to you and all your fellow uh Gail Gorey uh, and the people who write write in the language it's, it's really it's we're so lucky to live in the in an age where there are so many beautiful stories available that probably weren't available when, when we were younger so mm-hmm. we're we're lucky um but until next time, I think we better we better leave it at that for Story Shape Podcast. So thanks to all our listeners again for tuning in. Um, we are so grateful to all of you for your support and and for and for your ears. Um, so until next time, uh, it's goodbye from me and Slon. Slon, Slon, You have been listening to Story Shaped with Susan Cahill and Sinead O'Hart. Follow us on Twitter at Story Shaped Pod. And don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Betts.